really good to be here with you. Merry Christmas uh, to all of you. Uh, why don't we uh, stand together and I'll read our, our scripture for today. Uh, we heard a version of it, right, from Sally Lloyd-Jones and her children's Bible, uh, but I want to read for us uh, Psalm 23 as we jump in. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful that you are our good shepherd and that we get to be shepherded by you. I pray that we would remember that we are sheep today and that we are in great need of your care, your provision, your guidance, your protection, and your love. Be with us now as we look at this ancient text. Make it come alive once again in our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit and for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so first of all, kids, I, I need your help just for a moment, okay? You heard kind of a rendition of the Christmas story. I'm not sure all the details were accurate there, um, but I need, I need your help for a second. I know Christmas is over. It's done, right? You've, everything's about to go back into the box for the next 11 months, um, but just list off for me uh, some of the people or the animals that were at the first, you know, Jesus birthday party, Right? Um, at the nativity, at the manger. So, so shout a few out. Who was there? Wise men, okay. Shepherds, sheep, donkey, camel, yeah, yeah, probably so. Anybody, what else? Anybody? A cat, right? And a fairy, I think, it was somewhere. It's like, <laughs> could have been a cat, who knows, a little barn cat, you know, you don't know. Um, yeah, all kinds. But let me, let me tell you, like, my, my favorite, okay? And, and somebody, somebody shouted this out. But I love the fact that they are included at this first party for Jesus, the arrival of, of God on earth, right? The King, the Messiah, there are shepherds there. And we're, we're used to this, right? We kind of expect it because it comes with all the sets that we get and the pictures. And we know that there are shepherds there. But in that culture, like shepherds were, they were unwanted. Like they were kind of the, the smelly, the filthy, dirty ones, right? They, who kind of got kept off to the side. They were not very popular in that culture. They were just sort of the, the stinky, unwanted, all of that. So how do they get invited? Well, the same way that you and I get invited to Jesus, right? Jesus, he knows how stinky we are, right? He knows that we're sinful and broken, and yet he wants us anyway. And so I love, I love that the shepherds, the shepherds are, are there. Now, I don't, I don't know how many shepherds were there. It'd be interesting to, to know exactly. Um, I, don't, I don't know, but in this, in this picture, kids, I need your help again. How many shepherds do you see? It's kind of hard to tell those bottom four, right? Any guesses? Two? Two? Yeah, because you can see the, sh- the, the staff. That helps. Four, four, maybe five, right? Because you see the little guy in the back, right? He's kind of he's holding the sheep there. I think maybe he's a shepherd as well. I think, I think maybe there are five, three, maybe so. But I, it's kind of a trick question. It's kind of a trick question. 
Because actually, there's, there's one more that I think no matter how we try to count it, most of us would probably miss. It's a bit of a trick question. It's not a where's Waldo situation, right, where he's hiding somewhere in, in the corner. But the, the, real, the real shepherd in this drawing, the real shepherd at the nativity, the real shepherd that we need is actually Jesus. I think I heard somebody whisper it. You're, you're ahead of me. Good, good work. Yeah, look at that. Good work. It's Jesus. Like, did you know that when Jesus grows up later on, he's going to refer to himself as a good shepherd, which is really weird because he doesn't have any sheep, right? Like, he, we, as far as we know, he was never actually a shepherd, and yet he calls himself the good shepherd because we are his sheep. That our Jesus, our Savior, is our shepherd. And this is, this is one of the names of God in the Bible. And so if you've been with us over the last few weeks with Adam, we've been talking about a handful of different names. And so this is the last one today in this series. We're ending with Jehovah Ra'ah, which means literally, the Lord, my shepherd. What does that even mean? Or, or maybe, maybe you're even just thinking, well, I, I, don't, I don't need a shepherd. Like, well, why would I need a shepherd? I'm not, I'm not a sheep, right? I, I'm capable, I'm competent. Like, I can handle my own life. I don't need, I don't need a shepherd, or maybe, maybe you're on the other extreme, right? And you're like, oh man, actually I am desperate for somebody, anybody to help me, right? To protect me, to care for me, to provide for me. I need a shepherd. And really, if you're anything like me, you probably waffle back and forth between the two, right? And so regardless, whether you come to this with sort of resistance, I don't want this, or you come to it with desperation, I think we need all of us to take with us today is this. Our God wants to shepherd you. Whether, you. whether you want him or not, right? Whether you, whether you believe that or not, the scriptures teach that our God, the God of the universe, the God who made you, wants to shepherd you. Now, to really understand what this means, the idea that our God is our shepherd, we have to go back a thousand years, even before the birth of the good shepherd, Jesus. We're talking a long time ago, Right? Back to one of the most familiar passages in the Bible, Psalm 23. And if you have a, have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn there. We'll have some of it up there uh, as well. And, and Psalm 23, right, we've heard it in various ways already today. And if you've ever been to a funeral, you've probably heard Psalm 23, right? It's kind of a, a classic funeral text. This is, this, these words have brought comfort to literally millions for 3,000 years. Think about that. But this is not merely a funeral text as comfort for the dying. This is hope for the living. This is not about, it's not about death. This is about a way of life. I mean, just imagine if we lived as if Psalm 23 was true, as if God was truly our shepherd. Let's walk through it together. I'm just going to kind of mosey our way through these words. I love, I love this psalm, but it begins, right? The Lord is my shepherd. And not just, not just a shepherd or the shepherd or even our shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. This is one of the most intimate and personal psalms in the entire Bible. And this, this means, like the implication here is like, the psalmist is sort of saying, well, I, and I'm a sheep. Like you're my shepherd, that means I'm a, I'm a sheep. Now, uh, do we have any 
Any shepherds here? Anybody? No? Didn't think so. Um, so when we, like, when we city folk tend to think of sheep, we, we imagine them a bit like this, right? Oh, they're so cute, right? Like, how could you not love that little fuzzball? Like, he's adorable. Like, that's, that's how we imagine him. Or, or maybe, maybe if, you, if you have kids, uh, maybe you picture, picture him more like this. Yeah, anybody? Who's that? Anybody know his name? Sean, right? Of course, Sean, right? You, and you're like, oh man, but his, like, his adorable little antics, right? And you're sort of, sort of drawn into this sort of lovable creature. But if you were an actual shepherd, and, and David is the author here, David is an actual shepherd, right? So he, know, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what a sheep is. If you're an actual shepherd, you'd think of your sheep more like this. Short video. I mean, that about sums it up, right? What else do you need to know about sheep at that moment right there? Smart, right? They're smart. No. Like, sheep, sheep are a lot of trouble. They need help with everything, right? They have almost no natural defenses. Like, think about that. Like, almost no way possible to protect themselves. Protect themselves. They get lost easily. They do whatever the herd does. So whatever the other sheep are doing, they're just doing, right? They, they do this. Their only security is their shepherd. That's it. And honestly, every time I watch that video, I've seen it a few times now, I can't help but think, I've, I've done that. I mean, maybe not actually literally jumped into a ditch from one, but like from, you know, going from, leaping from like one mistake to another, one set of problems to another, one set of my own sinful patterns right into another. Like we, we do this, we all know that. And so friends, like we, we need a shepherd. And when the Lord is my shepherd, when the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want like, even just, like, think about that for a moment. If God is your shepherd, you have everything you need. If you have him, you have everything. I mean, just even imagine, like, a world for a moment in which you wanted nothing. That you wanted for nothing. And not, not because you've given up, right? But because you're, you're content. You're satisfied. And he goes on, he describes what that looks like. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And the reality is like sheep, they, they won't lie down until they're fed. Like they, they have to be fed first. Uh, they, they want that food, that satisfaction, right? And not only are these sheep fed, they're surrounded with provision. And it goes on, it says, he leads me beside still waters. And sheep, they also, they won't drink from moving water. If the water's moving too fast, they're too scared of it. They won't, they won't stick their, their face in. And so often even uh, a shepherd will, will like dam up a creek, right, to be able to provide a little bit of space for the water to stop flowing for them to be able to drink. And so it's a picture of, of all of their basic provisions are absolutely met. They have everything that they need. I can tell you when I, when I can't sleep at night, uh, it's usually because something is weighing heavily on my mind. Maybe some of you are like that. I, usually I can fall asleep fine, but then I wake up in the middle of the night, I just sort of like lay there for a while. Like that that's, happens to me occasionally. Thankfully not too often, but it happened to me uh, just a few nights ago. Uh, and I just, I couldn't like, I couldn't quiet my anxiousness, right? There was just things on my mind that were heavy and I just, I couldn't like, I couldn't shut them up. You know what I'm saying? 
And the reality is, like, again, if you're like that, you know, like, this is, this is what happens when I try to be my own shepherd, right? My own, my own provider, my own caretaker, my own provision, my own protector. It leads, leads to restlessness. But, but for years, when this happens, my habit uh, has been, uh, when I, like, when I can't sleep, instead of, instead of counting sheep, because that sounds ridiculous to me. Who does that? I don't know. Instead of counting sheep, I, I pretend I am a sheep, Sounds weirder, right? Uh, I don't mean that. I don't mean that literally. But what I what I do is like, and again, I've done this for years. Is like Psalm twenty three comes on my mind, on repeat, and I just say these words over and over and over. the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lay down, like over and over, until I finally like it lulls me to sleep. You know what I'm saying? When I and I sometimes I'll, I'll like I literally picture myself as a sheep, with everything that I need all of my provision, everything cared for, satisfied, content, watched over, wanting for nothing until I, I drift off. For the God who made me wants to shepherd me. And, and so first we get, a, we get a picture, right, uh, of this shepherd's tender provision for our most basic needs. And then it, then it moves to his guiding protection on our, our behalf, the way he protects and guides us. So then it says in the next verse, right? He says, he restores my soul. And literally in the Hebrew, uh, it means he brings me back. So it's, it's a kind of a different picture than we often, often have. Like, like when my soul wanders, he goes out and he finds it. Like when my soul feels empty, he fills it up. When I lose my way, he leaves the 99 to go find the one. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so it's, it's like when, when I'm lost, he goes and he finds me, and, and then he puts me back on the right path. Does that make sense? That's kind of the image there. Like, it's not just that he, he finds us and says, we'll figure it out. Like, you know, he puts us on the right path. There, there are a few things that, that irritate me more than uh, when I'm on a hike and I realize that I'm on the wrong path. Or maybe you're driving, you're like, you took a wrong turn, and it's like a ways before you figure it out. I mean, it's, it's so irritating, like, you know, the, uh, the frustration and this is like the wasted time and energy of that. You have to backtrack. And it just makes me wonder, like, in this psalm, like, how much of our life is spent backtracking? Or at least, like, trying to. You can't really do that in life. But we, we try to, right? We try to overcome things. We, we feel weighed down by, by regret, oftentimes shame over past decisions, mistakes that we've made. Or, or maybe like a, an anxious control over the future, trying to avoid those mistakes. Never, I'm never going to do that again, right? How much of our life, how much of our energy is spent doing that? It's exhausting, isn't it? But with this shepherd, he puts us on the right path. Now, now, to be clear, uh, as the verses continue, right, the right path is not always the easy path. Sometimes the right path goes through Death Valley. Like, it's basically what it says, right? He leads me on the right paths, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, nobody, nobody wants to go through Death Valley, Right? Nobody wants to experience those places. And, and for, for the psalmist, for David, he's probably picturing one of the sort of the deep, dark wadis of Israel, like where all the water comes through the desert, you know, when it occasionally rains in the washout areas. And so this is a place where there's, there's no protection, there's no place to hide. It's often a place where, where criminals or animals could hide out because you were, you were just exposed. There's nothing you could do to, to protect yourself. Like it's not a good place. 
And I think what, I think what David is saying is some, sometimes this is where the right path goes, into those dark, dangerous places that nobody wants to go to. And the reality, you, like you might be in one of those dark valleys right now, right? But this doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path. Sometimes the shepherd leads us to those places. And if he's led me there, if he's the one who I'm following, who's brought me into that place of, of deep heartache or pain or whatever it is that you might be experiencing, and if he's done that, I will fear no evil. Which is kind of a shocking thing that David says, right? In the midst of that. It's like, I'm not going to be afraid. Well, how? how? How can it be that David is not afraid? Well, the answer comes right at the center of the psalm. In fact, scholars point out that in the, in the Hebrew, actually, what, what David says next is the exact like, center of the psalm. And, and given the, the structure of the psalm, it, it's, it's kind of a subtle way of pointing out, like, this is my thesis statement. Like, it, it kind of builds in from the edges and goes right to the center thing that he says. And what is, what is at the very center? For you are with me. That's the thesis. That's what David is getting at. That's why he has no fear. This is why he can trust this shepherd, for you are with me. And kids, I think you probably understand this better than anyone. Like when you're, when you're most afraid, like what do you want most in that moment? And most often it's probably your mom or your dad, right? When you're truly afraid, you want to know that you're not alone in that fear. It's like, even if the fear doesn't go away, even if the fear persists, just to know, to know that there's someone else in there with you. I can remember when the kids were, were really young and they'd be overcome with fear or in some situation and I would, I would hold them in my arms and I would whisper over and over again to them, who's got you? Who's got you? Until like it finally like dawned, like it settled in in the midst of their place of fear. And, and we know like that makes such a difference in the moments of, of great fear for us. And the God of the universe, this is what David is, is getting at. The God of the universe, the one who knows you and made you, carries us in his arms and whispers to each little lamb, who's got you? Who's, who's got you? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the rod is a, is a weapon uh, to protect against predators, right? It's something you'd, you'd use to protect the sheep. The staff, though, is a tool often used of correction, like to guide the sheep, even sometimes to discipline or train the sheep, to bring the, the sheep back, right? And yet to the psalmist, both are a comfort, right? Both are an act of love of the shepherd for the sheep, and in these last couple of verses, the metaphor changes a little bit. A lot, a lot of scholars try to talk about, like, what exactly, how does, how does David get from one to the other? It's, it's a bit of a challenge because it goes, it goes from, like, this wilderness setting to a party. Like, from, a, from the shepherd to the hostess, in many ways. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Like, even, like, think about that metaphor. Like, this, this, this is a table of honor of celebration. And, and the image is like, like while all your enemies look on, like whatever that is, like whatever things have, have sought to destroy you, right, have, have been difficult, for, like all of that that's, that's been a heartache for you, all of them are watching. 
when God himself throws a party in your honor. It's a pretty amazing scene, isn't it? You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, so picture of abundance, of honor, of healing. And then the conclusion, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even that, that word translated there as follow, it's usually translated as chase or pursue in the Old Testament. I'm not sure exactly why the translators picked follow, because follow, it sounds passive to me, right? But I don't, I don't, think, that's, I don't think it's meant to be passive, not with this shepherd. It's, it's more like those things will, will chase after us, right? That his goodness will, will pursue you forever. He will chase after you with his love. And if you run, he'll run faster. Our God wants to shepherd you. I mean, it's no wonder this psalm has been a comfort to so many for so long. Because I think if we're truly honest with ourselves, who wouldn't want this, right? Who, who wouldn't want this kind of, of gentle love and protection for us? And so how do we, how do we embrace this life? Because I don't, I don't want this psalm to be merely read at my funeral, right? I want it to define my life. And so how? How do we follow the good shepherd? Well, let me end quickly with, with three things. First, like if you, if you want to follow the good shepherd, if you, if you want these words to be true in your life, it begins here. You have to admit that you're a sheep, which is really uncomfortable for most of us, right? It's not, it's not a very honoring statement to say, I, I'm a sheep. It's it's admitting that I'm not as smart as I think I am, right? I'm not as strong as I think I am. That if you want God as your shepherd, it begins by telling him, I need you. I need you to shepherd me. Like, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I've tried, I've done my best, right? And I make a, a mess of everything around me. Like, I'm not good enough, smart enough, strong enough. Will, will you lead me? And so first, you've got to admit that you're a sheep. Second, second if you want to follow him, you have to recognize the things that lead you astray. Because this is one of the defining characteristics of sheep, uh, especially as they're talked about metaphorically in, this, in the scriptures, that they, they get lost. It's what they do. Like they, they're, they're easily fooled. They wander away. They follow the herd. Like they'll go wherever everybody else is going, right? Which is such a human tendency as well. In fact, so much so that the prophet Isaiah writes, all we like sheep, all of us, like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And so what are, what are the things that tend to, to lead you astray? What are the competing shepherds in your life? The things that when you hear their voice, you begin to like, ah, I'm going to go this way instead. It could, be, it could be a politician, right? Friends, celebrities. I think more often it's probably our own desires and impulses, right? Our own anger, greed, lust, materialism, whatever, whatever it is, those things that we just, we listen to them. We think, ah, this is going to be a better shepherd. It's going to offer me more. And so I'm going to go this way instead. What are, what are those things in your life that lead you astray? Learn to recognize what leads you astray. And instead of listening to them, listen to the sound of his voice. That's the third thing. Listen to the sound of your shepherd's voice. Because it's true, sheep, sheep are dumb, but they're not stupid, actually. 
Uh, there, there's a lot of ways in which they're, they're fairly intelligent creatures. In fact, one of them is that they do learn the sound of their shepherd's voice. And in fact, even, even today, like if you are in a sort of a shepherding village and all the sheep are going through and shepherds split up, right? The sheep are all together. If the shepherd starts calling his sheep, they will, they will split up and follow their shepherd. They, they, they know their shepherd's voice and they will follow their shepherd's voice anywhere. Which is why Jesus says in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you know your shepherd's voice? There's so many competing voices, right? In our lives, in our world, things that distract us, that call us away, that continue to tell us, no, 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 the good life is over here. This is better, like, trust me, right? So many different voices. Do you know his voice? First, through his word, this is how we get to know sort of his dialect, how he speaks, right? The things that, that he calls us to, we learn it in his word. We learn it through, through his people, right? By gathering together on a regular basis and reminding ourselves of these things. We, we hear it from, from the Holy Spirit, right? God's spirit with us. And when we hear it, will we obey it? Our God wants to shepherd you. And it's, it's true, we're about to pack up all of our nativity sets, Right? Anybody do that yet? No, probably not. That's a little early, right? You'd be really ambitious. But we're going to do that soon. They're all going to go back in the box, somewhere deep in storage, in the closet, in the garage, in the attic. But as you do, look closely for a moment at the shepherd and the sheep and remind yourself, this is why Jesus came. Because we need a shepherd. He came to, to be with us, to chase us with his love, to be our shepherd and the beauty of the gospel, right, as the story continues, that he came even to be our lamb, right? To die in our place, to suffer on the cross for our sins, and to raise again to new life. This is our God. And it's this God who wants to shepherd you. Will you let him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, be our shepherd. Even in this moment today, even as we leave this building and go about our lives the rest of this week, God, be our shepherd. Be near to us as you promise in your word. I pray that we would recognize that we are sheep, that we would see our own need. And, and, and God, I pray that you would expose in each of our hearts the things that lead us astray, the ways in which we wander. And instead, I pray for myself and for those in this room and those watching online, God, I pray that your voice would be louder, clearer, stronger, more compelling, and that we would know your voice and that we would follow you. We need your help to do that, Lord Jesus. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, for the glory of your name, we pray.